episode 52 and uh, we've plenty to talk about this week we have the Pats game we're going to preview Waterford and we've interviews with John Bourne on our Roma links there's Stuart McSweeney and Kevin O'Rourke from our amputee team and then we have Tomer Henshinsky taking on Brando Mele and questions from the East End so it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carl Riley. hello again and uh, we are still sponsored by the wonderful Peach Tree East restaurant in Tala who now have corporate event and catering for all your executive needs and uh, they have delivery and collection available for your event if you need to have some sort of corporate or executive event so call them on 413-9965 that is 413-9965 and they will give you all the details you need to make your event that little bit special and we still have our poker night as well in Peachtree East on the 23rd of June so come see me at a prof in the 1899 bar and we will sell you our tickets 25 quid um, any more details you can check it out on Instagram or Facebook and that's where all those details are so uh, grab one of them and we'll have an old school Rover session and of course we've more messages from our overseas hoops that we love on the show and uh, John Paul Roberts he says love the podcast keep up the good work helps me going. it helps me keep going in Melbourne and we have Darren Murphy who says he loves listening to the podcast, lads. Listening in Vancouver the last year and missed the hoops more than me ma. Listen every Friday morning and work before the 11.45am kickoff here. 7.45 at home. So keep on hooping. So thanks for all your messages, lads. Messages of support and love. We love them. Says he goes to Vancouver Whitecaps games. But not the old Vancouver Whitecaps that John Jaws used to manage in the 1980s. It's a new club. Only formed it's in, a different club. Only formed in 2009, yeah. Same name, different club. Yeah. That's a strange one, isn't it? They do play in their old stadium though. Uh, I think BC Stadium BC, or something. Uh, BC yeah. Place, I think it's called. So uh, we were talking about what was the best ever save in Tala last week and Paul O'Dwyer said, I remember when Baz Murphy came back to Rovers for a second stint after his time on the dark side. He said, first home league game of the 2013 or 2014 season versus Sligo. Down the car park and he made a last ditch save. And... Um, it was a shot that was knocked off his head onto the post and I think he had to come off the sheer tenacity to keep the ball it was insane I don't remember this I do. I think that's the one I was trying to think of last week Yeah. I thought it was. I think Pats. I remember him getting nearly knocked out Yeah. But the save is eluding me at the moment I remember him speaking about it afterwards he said he didn't know where he was for a few minutes which was concerning now knocked to the head um, it's starting to come back to me now uh, Rob Lavelle he says Denny he's won against Pats was the best save ever in Tyler that was brilliant and then Manus going on to save the penalty, which was a cracking mm. penalty save as well. Billy Suarez. 
Yeah, Rob's in our new WhatsApp group. And uh, what has been seen cannot be unseen. <laughs> the tales from the East End bogies. Carol Kearns came out with me in Richmond Park and he's like, this is going to be used in court. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be evidence one day. Uh, Kevin Horgan, one of the goals player of the month and uh, deservedly so. He's had a good stint in goal. That was for April. So he gets 100 quid to spend in the fantastic peach trees. Plug City this week. They are getting plugged out of the wazoo. Which is the whole point of the prize, really. It's nice getting the accolade, but really it's about that meal. It's all about the meal, to get that beef shake. So we have, uh, Kev said in the media, I thought this was a great uh, quote. It shows you he's he's, re- he's real and he's actually got emotions. Mm. And uh, he said, speaking in the media, he said, the manager has kept his trust in me and I'm happy to repay his trust with a couple of clean sheets. He said, I had a tough time. I got a bit of stick after the Dundalk game. I'm delighted he kept me in. The game after that, I had a good game. We've kicked on now. To know I've got his trust is brilliant and I'd say I didn't even get one negative text off anyone or anyone on social media. A few papers and TV said things, but that's part of the trade, isn't it? I got messages saying, head up, you're doing well from people I've never met. I don't think they realise how that much that means and it brought me around. There are times when you're thinking it's really tough to be a goalkeeper. He says, my mum is not happy with me choosing goalkeeper. She doesn't like it. I'm the only one in the family. When you make saves like that, it is worthwhile. But a couple of bad games don't make me a bad goalkeeper and a couple of good games don't make me a good goalkeeper. I'm delighted to be playing. I feel like I'm at the level I should be at the minute. It's taken a lot of hard work, but it's going to be even harder to stay in this position. So it's a very honest reflection there. And while you'd have his brother as a left winger mm. playing for Preston, the other brother playing as a right full for yeah, Cork. You have the inferior Horgan at Cork yeah, column. And our chant didn't take off at all. It was a Kevin Horgan, your brother is shy. Yeah, I think that went over people's heads. Yeah, is he, he was actually quite bored that day as well. He, yeah, a lot of misplaced passes. You timed well, no? He did something crap, and then you went in for the chant. Yeah, nobody. Bit. I could just see the wheels turning in people's brains. Like, are they related? Yeah, it's like on the Sunday yeah. they were like, ah, <laughs> two days late. And uh, Alan Manis, our f- possible future number one, we don't even know anymore. And we have Kev talking about Alan Manis. He said, I look forward to him coming in. I look forward to being able to work with him. He's had a brilliant career and it's going to be brilliant to compete for the jersey. Every bit of competition is welcome. I've got Tomer nipping at my heels every week and Alan coming in will add to that. But he didn't come here to sit on the bench and I'm happy to be playing now. He said, given my age, I'm delighted that I want to push on. So um, he's he's ready for the fight. Yeah, I like the way he spoke in that interview. That interview, by the way, uh, done by the same newspaper that reported our imaginary signing of a Sunderland goalkeeper a few yeah. weeks ago. Because Car- Horgan wasn't good enough at the time, apparently. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And uh, completely made up. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely made up. It's been good, actually, in the last few weeks to see fans on on Rorishat openly admitting they were wrong, but Horgan, that they judged him too fast. Not to say that we didn't either. We, we were guilty of that ourselves. We judged him too fast after those mistakes. But it was actually cool to see people, you know, eating humble pie yeah, on Facebook was, about it? Horgan. So before the game, uh, we had Carl catching up with John Bourne and his links with Roma and all other football-related activities. Yeah, so, we were we were standing in a park in Intercor doing this, in this interview. So God knows what sort of deal people thought was going down. Yeah. <laughs> Just but, uh, two randomers in the field. Yeah. Looking the, sketchy. The important thing, though, was that we weren't tormented by any kids. Remember the last time we interviewed John and Tata? That kind of threw him off, so he was definitely doing another appearance because of that. So this is uh, the prof and John. Okay, I'm here with John Byrne. And John, football seems to be an integral part of your life. You've got Rovers 
and like most people you have an adopted a second cub like a wife and a mistress you could say so tell us about your love affair with the Jalarosti yeah well I started going to Roma back in, in the early 90s um, those who are old enough might remember Channel 4 started covering live games mm. the 92-93 season and I pitched um, an Italian football column to uh, the Sunday World and uh, they liked the idea and they ran with it and towards the end of that season um, I was sent over to the Rome Derby mm. at the time Gaza was playing for Lazio um, but where, where I was seated inside the stadium was towards the Corvusud end of the ground and I thought the Roma fans it was kind of like to me it was like a, a bigger version of Rovers it was very passionate and I just thought yeah that, that's, that, that'll do nicely I'll, I'll have a bit of this uh, so I just started following them from a distance then and then when Ryanair started running cheaper flights and it was an option to come to Rome I started coming over and it just became you know, a bit of a passion and a more regular thing as well you know and uh, I mean by around about the early noughties there was a good few hoops going as well um, like some lads had made contact with uh, or they got to know the Irish clan a, a group on the Corvus Sud who had it was um, started by two lads who'd um, been educated in Dublin they'd, they'd done whatever some kind of post leaving sort of thing or whatever and uh, they'd sort of adopted Ireland and a couple of lads got to know them and then there was a Hammerby connection you know you might remember we were always played Hammerby I think it was or not not Hammerby played Geogarden in in the old UEFA Cup and we became mates with the Hamby lads and they had links with Roma so there was all that sort of stuff going on as well so there was a, a lot of hoops travelling over in the early noughties and uh, we had some interesting nights you know uh, the two clubs have a link to SRFC Olders and the Irish clan you mentioned them uh, we struggled to get the origins of this friendship so you saying it goes back to the Hammerby 2002 game well the thing is I mean I was I'm not 100% sure. I, I do know there was, there was uh, some of the lads, the likes of Dejaner, I know, went over. Uh, he, was, he was in Rome in the early 90s. And there's a good few lads. Because I remember at, at one stage, um, in 2005 it was, there, was, there must have been about maybe 15, 20 of us at the Derby. Mm. And yeah, everybody seemed to know somebody else kind of thing, you know. Um, I mean, I, I got to know the Irish clan lads through Hammerby, through Mika. I think a lot of people, yeah, anyone who's who's been to Hammerby or knows but or appreciates the Ralph's Hammerby link would know Mika Halbum. He's a big, uh, big uh, Hammerby fan, and uh, he was over for the derby. I was over there with Fergus McCormick, and we met up with the with the. Uh, with the Hamby lads which was a big mistake because those guys could drink you know um, thankfully I've only vague memories of <laughs> we were out one night and it was just oh, Jesus it was insane you know but uh, happy days you know so you're at the Liverpool game at Stadio Olimpico on Wednesday night Ramos first European semi-final since 1984 they needed at least three goals they got four but it wasn't enough yeah, well, I think anyone who saw the, the two legs, or even just one of the two legs, would know that um, the one thing that Liverpool and Roma have in common, other than the red jersey, is the inability to defend. Um, before the game, I felt there's no way Roma are going to keep a clean sheet. Uh, there was talk of, oh, they haven't conceded a goal at home in Europe this season. But I think that was more by accident than design. Hmm. Because um, they're just not terribly strong at the back, and they're quite slow. 
and they're prone to give the ball away and that happened and you, you know anyone who's seen Liverpool this season knows that the one thing the huge plus they have is, is the pace they have in the front three so if you start giving the ball away 30 yards out and Mo Salah's on the, on the, on the, on the prowl you're going to be in trouble but uh, I just felt once, once they didn't concede a second goal the tie was always going to be open because you'd, you'd, you'd fancy wrong with the score Tell us about the trip overall yeah, so a book to go over to Tuesday to Thursday because initially when the draw is made, they don't um, announce the dates. So I just wanted to make sure I got there and you know then I could start worrying about getting a ticket because obviously a game of that magnitude is going to be quite difficult to get, to get hold of tickets. But uh, lucky enough, I was able to nail down a ticket or two uh, when, they, when they went on general sale. And uh, so... The atmosphere before the game, there's quite a build-up. Obviously, there was a lot of a lot of hype around um, what happened in Liverpool with that poor Irish guy, Sean Cox, um, who was uh, attacked. I mean, the poor bloke probably just came out for a smoke or something and just got stuck in something, you know. What um, were people saying about it over there? Well, over there, I mean, I think one of the huge differences between, say, Britain and... Italy is the cultural difference and there's a perception that you know all, all Roma fans are ultras and all ultras are knife-wielding togs and that's just you know that's just like saying that everyone in Liverpool is a thief you know it's just nonsense yeah, they're, they're cliches really the vast majority of fans of both sides just want to go to a game get a good atmosphere going and enjoy it and hopefully see their team win and uh, in fairness to the round cups and that's not something I'd say too often it was pretty well organised you know I mean you always have to appreciate that in Italy <laughs> you know it, it's a very bureaucratic nation you know and but there's also a lot of panicking going on uh, when, there's, when there's a situation like this of course so you know they had they were busting the Liverpool fans in from about five o'clock and they had to go through three different uh, checkpoints before actually getting into the stadium but it was the same for the home fans I think you're a bit like Dunster and Buzz you're a bit of a foodie so I saw you tweeting about a 20 euro lunch yeah um, yeah well the thing about Rome is obviously uh, like a lot of top European cities uh, tourists can get ripped off but if, if you kind of know where to go and uh, you, know, you don't have to spend an awful lot of money. You know, I, I remember it, it, it actually uh, tweeting. You know, you know, it cost nearly twenty euros, but it was worth it. You know, but that's that's the great thing with somewhere like Rome. You know, you can get yourself a main course for a tenner or less. You can get yourself a half liter of wine for maybe four euros. You know, so that's, that's you know, you're laughing. You know, and it's twenty five degrees. You're in Trastevere, one of the nicest parts of Rome. I mean, that's living, man. Yeah. Uh, you've been spotted on TV, donning Ultras merch and interviewing Hollywood's finest. Have you ever tried to drag any A-listers to tell a stadium? Um, I suppose the closest would be... That's an interesting one. I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> but uh, I remember... Oh, God, when was it? The early 90s, uh, when Colin Farrell was becoming a pretty big star, he was in this film called Phone Booth. Mm. Great, great, great little movie, actually. And I was interviewing him in the Clarence Hotel. And I brought along an Ultra scarf and a hoops... Uh, I, I, through Jimmy Conroy organised an honorary Hoops SC membership card from I see his family members have played for Rovers yeah his, both his dad and uncle played for, for Rovers in the early 60s and actually he was telling me I, 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 end up, I wrote a piece um, for the Rovers programme we were, we were still in Santry at that stage so it must have been around about 2000 maybe um, 2001 maybe uh, but he was saying that he was actually in Milltown for the last 
the kind of last game, the charity game between the 50 side and the 60 side, and then there was the 70 side played the 80 side, and both his dad, or at least his dad anyway, um, but I think maybe his uncle as well, played in the 60s team. And he was quite proud of that. And uh, he asked me about the whole thing. Oh, would you ever go to Rovers when you were a kid and all? And he was, and he was. He admitted that you know you'd be kind of laughed at for supporting a League of Ireland team when he was a kid. You know, and mm. I, I think that's something we could probably all relate to. You know, you know the way people think it's weird that you'd support an Irish team. You know, you know, and then you go to say Italy or you know anywhere basically, and they go, yeah, you, you know, you support an Irish team, you're Irish. <laughs> Over there, they don't say who do you really support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a weird one. It's 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 we're quite unique, you know. Well, maybe it's it's the fact that you know our history maybe has us thinking this uh, this way about things, you know. But it's, it's it was very strange actually going over on, on the on the plane to Rome, and you're surrounded by guys who are there, you know. Oh, you going over to the match? Yeah, blah blah blah. And you have to go, uh, lads. I'm a Roma fan, and they're kind of like, what? <laughs> you know. Uh, so, well, I'm a Shamrock Rovers fan. And you know, I, I I support Roma in Italy, mm. and you know you might as well have just you know I don't know told them that you know you were a drug dealer or something or you know it's it's just bizarre really you know but sure, that's God loved them you know. Uh, Roma have their very own Derek Tracy and Francesco Toddy. Give us your thoughts on player loyalty in the modern game, and you'd never think we'll see the likes of them again. Well, obviously they're they're a rarity. Uh, like even in the League of Orange it's hard to get it because at the end of the day depending on what level you're at in the professional game you're either trying to earn a living for yourself you know which would be the case say in the lads in the League of Orange so you'd be inclined to go if, if somebody else can give you another 100 quid a week you know and you've got a mortgage to pay mm-hmm. I, I, I totally get that I understand I remember when Stephen Gagan went to Shells and uh you know, he was getting a lot more money than he was getting at Rovers. So, on a personal level, I couldn't fault the guy for for doing that. You know, he's looking after his family. You know, but um, then at the at the kind of top end of the scale, you know, where you've got like Totti, say, I mean, he could have he could have gone. Yeah, certainly, I remember Fabio Capello wanted to bring him to uh, Real Madrid, and he could have earned God knows how much money, but he stayed loyal to Roma. Now, Roma. It looked after him as well. I mean, the guy was on, he's on something like, you know, five or six million a year. You know, I, th- I think we could all live quite comfortably on that, you know. Um, but it, it's, the game's changed so much because there's so much money. And uh, and agents, I hope there are no agents listening to this because those guys, Jesus Christ, they, they, they've completely changed things. It's it's just down to that there's just so much money in, in the game, particularly at the, same, at, the, at the highest level. But... Um, and a lot of guys play football. They're more players than supporters. I think it's quite the exception for a player to also be a supporter of a club because you're too busy trying. You're playing football. You know, I think I think I think they're quite rare. And at least, you know, when you go back to I don't know, pre eighties anyway. You know, chances are, like if there was only a fiver in it, you might as well stay where you are. You know, what's what's the difference really? And if you're happy there. But uh, yeah, the few and far between, between and the ha- that's the way it's been for a long time now. But uh, Totti was remarkable. I mean, I've never seen so much love for a player. It's just insane, you know. And uh, I think it's actually healthier for the club that he's retired now, because it was kind of like it was like everything revolved around him. Yeah. You know, and the club needs to move on, and which is done, done now. It's it's actually it's quite telling that they they reached the first European semi final in, in 34 years just after he steps down you know I think that that says a lot 
Uh, we currently have Graham Burke scoring spectacular goals on a regular basis, or Galazzo in Italian. Who was the last Brawlers player to excite you the way he does? Well, obviously Gary Twig would be the man. You know, but the thing is, you look at Graham Burke and you can see that technically he's he's exceptional. Um, so far, I'd, I'd, I'd rate him as probably the, the, the most technically gifted player I've seen in the league since Tony Sheridan. And I, I don't say that very lightly because to me, I remember, I remember when Sheryl came back to Ireland and he was playing for Shelbourne. And I'm going to do a little name drop here. I was sitting beside Jimmy McGee in the press box and we just looked at each other and went, what the fuck is he doing here? <laughs> you know, like he should be in Ireland's midfield. That's Sheridan. Hmm. And uh, you look at Graham Bourke and you can see like he's got He's got the, the ability. But, yeah, being successful in football, it's about a lot more than ability. You know, that it's, it's, as the song says, talent is an asset. You know, and you just, you, I, I really hope the guy gets, gets a break because, well, it's great to see the likes of him playing for Rovers. You know, you, you can't deny his talent and you hope that he can fulfil it and that he gets, he gets whatever opportunity comes his way and he, ta- he takes it. Uh, we had Mick Lawler on the show recently who scored in the 1968 if I could find you'd have only been about eight years old then sorry to age you but uh, you say your first Rovers game was actually prior to the six in a row the 1962 final well I don't know too much about these things because uh, obviously I was very young at the time you know there the, the was talk of you know my mother being pregnant with me at, at a match and things like that you know um, but one thing I discovered I was actually at a, at a funeral of a relative and something happened uh, with a young member of uh, the family and my brother's said to me he says ah, sure what about you at the 1962 cup final and I'm going was I at that <laughs> you know it was, it was quite a famous final because there was a uh, great Shells team uh, probably the last great Shells team before you know Ollie Bourne's era and they they wrapped up the league and they were odds on for the double and they played Rovers and of course Rovers won 4-1 nice one but uh, I, I would have been two years old at the time and apparently I spent the uh, the entire game on my dad's shoulders, wearing a, a, wearing a nappy that apparently I soiled. So there you go. You know, I shit myself in front of 32,000 people in Daly Mount Park. Beat that, Rovers. Should really end on that now, but what's your, what's your earliest, most vivid memory, I suppose? Oh, most vivid memory. I remember going to see Rovers playing balls when I was, I don't know, I think it was about six. And um, anybody who knows me knows I'm an awful softy. And uh, Rovers were winning four, five, whatever, six nil. And I remember saying to my brother, who's a lot older than me, going, "Why don't Rovers let Bowes score? It's not fair. Poor Bowes, you know." But that's that's back when Bowes were amateurs, you know. When you know you kind of that that was a kind of regular occurrence, you know. But uh, hockey them five or six nil back then, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that'd be standard because I remember saying to people, you know, like, oh, about Bowes, blah blah blah, and I'm going like, you have to remember when I was a child, Bowes were like the Dublin City of the day you know they, they tended to finish down the bottom of the table you know but uh, oddly enough like as soon as drums went out of business because drums were the big rivals when I was a kid as soon as drums went balls just came out of nowhere and uh, hence the, that became the big derby around about 72, 73 just after uh, Drum Contra went out of existence so there we go uh, other than that now I just remember I just remember as a child thinking that there were only two certainties in life. Uh, one was that Santa Claus would come on Christmas Eve and the other would be that Rowers would win the cup because they won six in a row when I was a child and that was just, just something that kind of happened every year, you know. So and growing uh, up, uh, was you have a favourite player back then? Um, 
But Mick Leach was kind of, you know, he had the long hair, the George Best kind of look, you know, though he was a very different kind of player. Um, I love Frank O'Neill, Billy Dixon, yeah. But I suppose uh, Damien Richardson was another one as well. Uh, so I remember getting a big kick out of when he came back from England, having been away for whatever it was, 15 years. And, I'd, uh, you know, the first time I interviewed him, and I was going, oh, it's Damien Richardson. I was terribly excited with myself, you know, which is nice. But, uh, Did you have to get yeah. the dictionary out when you talked to him? Um, that was early on. He wasn't quite as verbose as he became, you know. But, uh, yeah, I believe he was, a, he was attacked by a thesaurus when he was a child. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, in fairness, it's, you know, it, I, you, but you'd hope it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, wouldn't you, you know? But a, a good guy. So that was John Bourne on our links with, um, with Roma and everything Italian and half gallons of wine I've been to Rome myself and he's dead right it's absolutely stunning and if you do find the right little spots you can eat like a king for little or nothing you know so uh, fantastic spot to go and uh, have a weekend away you mentioned uh, Jura Gardens there in 2002 and there's a big game in Sweden on Thursday uh, unusually Sweden's Cup Finals played in the middle of their league season so they're only 7 or 8 games in it's a strange one isn't it yeah so they play like a pre-season, they play the quarters and the and the last 16 like pre-season pretty much? Yeah, Malmo have won the last two league titles and are the record cup winners 14 times. But I love this stat, I know what you're going to come They with. haven't won the cup since 1989 under Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson won their yeah. last cup with them? Wow. Now, does that sound familiar? What Wibbly wobbly. It definitely sounds familiar because it's the second longest run in Europe without a national cup by the team with the most cup trophies. And I'm sure you can guess who these that list. Of course, it's Shamrock Rovers. Anyone else up there? I think you gave us another one before. There was one Marseille, but they've actually been overtaken by PSG. So they're no longer the record French cup winners. So they're, they're out of the window now for that oh, stuff. Oh, right, yeah, because PSG have been dominating the last couple of yeah. years. But uh, Malmo actually reached the final a couple of years ago. It was played in their own ground. They got a 2-0 half-time lead. They've truly... And they still lost on penalties. Unbelievable. So, I mean, everything was in their favour. So they're back in the final again now against Jura Gardens. This is on Thursday. I'm going to have to watch that now. And uh, Jura Gardens haven't won a trophy since their 2005 double. And uh, Andrews Isaacson, the former Juventus and Man City keeper, he's actually back playing with them. I think I'll have to go for a Malmo win yeah. there. I can't, I can't be back in Jura Gardens with our Hammerby links. Isaacson at the age of 36, the perfect age for a goalkeeper, as perfect we know. Perfect age for a goalkeeper, yeah. yeah. 36 years young. That's 2002, UEFA Cup tie. Isaacson was actually playing for Jura Gardens against us at the time along with Kilm Kallstrom and uh, Kallstrom actually came back to them as well last year but he just retired Kim Kallstrom remember that great player and championship yeah. manager oh yeah one of my favourites so we have Paul O'Connell uh, our Gary Twig supporters club head honcho he said if you've never been to a Rome derby, derby and you're a football fan I can tell you that it comes highly recommended plus Rovers linked there for years Rover get, Rovers get looked after and they have an Irish clan Troy Colours always fly down the bottom right of the Corva Sud Big Mob went over in 2009 about 25 of us it was great Roachy, James, Nolan Nolborn came too we drank together in the same boozer and each night the mother would be in bed and bang the door to tell us to shut up singing Erasure songs that's where that started same trip we are brought out for a meal by one of the head of their ultras sat around the table which was L-shaped we'll never forget it we had about 7 courses the Italian way they didn't realise Rover's chairman was present for an hour, over an hour they shit themselves when Joe said yeah that's him there and he stood up and toasted us they gave us a grand night he said at the match itself there was murder usual for a derby 
We were in the stand opposite the main one, the Tribune Tavera. And Lazio get a small amount of tickets and they stand close to the Curva Nord, their side. Roma scored and as usual their hoolies made up made their way up to the Roma fans and start fighting. Uh, young lad Ross lost his shoe and in the melee uh, Mark Battle ran down to look for it as Lazio came after us. There was a crush, coppers out with the battens and they knocked the bollocks out of the Lazio lads. After that it was fire and flares and bags of piss at each other from one end of the stand to the other. Normal at the derby. Eddie McGrath was almost lynched by Roma lads in the Jacks at halftime because he was wearing his casual clobber. He kept shouting, Irlandes, Irlandes, Robbie Keane, Robbie Keane. <laughs> Roma won and cars were set alight all the way up the river. Ended up in an all-night smoky darts club called the Nacklar. Think I had my membership card. Crazy few days, but brilliant. Everyone was together. They loved drawing belts over there. Take them off their jeans and wrap them around their fists and fling the buckles at you when scrapping. Notorious for it, so uh, I already want to go. Sounds like a cracker, doesn't it? Sounds like you're seeing her. And a quick uh, recommendation for John Bourne. John, if you're back in Rome anytime soon, head down to Testaccio to On The Rocks and get Enzo to make it a Christmas card cocktail. You won't regret it. So we'll move on now and the Irish Cup final up north. A good few hoops went up for it. And I think it was a good 50 of them gone up. Two buses, I think. And they went up to support Cliftonville, but they lost 3-1 to Cole Rain. And you could see the Clondalk and Shermock Rovers flag on display. So an SRFC Casuals won as well. And then there was a bit of a protest for God Save the Queen. I see the mascots mm. got involved and everything. Brandy was booed so heavily you couldn't... I, I turned it on after that, actually. But I didn't see it myself. No, one of those said it was booed. You could barely even hear the Yeah, anthem. I think it's yeah. the right thing to do, really. It's, it's, mm. it's not fair. And I saw on Twitter one guy was reporting them. And he uh, cited some sort of act some passage of an act where they pretty much in the by the rule book they could be in trouble for not adhering to the national anthem but mm. listen it's uh, it's up for debate yeah I turned it on about a half hour in it was on BBC and uh, I like the stats behind it because it was like 38 years since Cliftonville won the cup 38 15 years since Cotterain won it so the and, new uh, name on the on the trophy anyway yeah James Dooley he's at Cotterain former Cork winger but he was actually stretched off in the first half yeah he was he was good. their danger man but he was very good for Cork that season that they won the league and they interviewed Michael O'Neill at half time oh yeah what did he come yeah. out with he's an ex Cotterain man so oh I didn't know that yeah he wanted them to win Um, so we're going to move on to our own affairs now and to the did you notice how long we put off talking about the game there the stinging 2-0 loss yeah the Pats in Richmond this stung like hell and I can take a defeat if 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 we fight and there, there's a bit of bite to it but I mean we're down to 10 men for 50 minutes I, I'm fed up with this I really am it's it, it's very frustrating why do I go into these derbies with such a sense of dread now? Oh, every time. Every time we go to Richmond, I just don't think we're going to get out now. Richmond in particular. I don't mind Daily Mount. I think because we, we can pull something off in Daily Mount, but Richmond is just fucking hellhole for us. It really is. Well, we said Dan McDonald. He saw two young girls driving through your car, roll their car window down and shout, Go on, the League of Ireland, you big rides! As the Pats coach and staff pack up their carts. Liam Buckley was a tad bemused. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. He has big rides. Uh, Danny Carr came in for Gary. Daddy Hill shot, and that was our only change. And uh, he had our best chance the first half, but he shot wide. He also had a one-on-one that he had yeah. saved. Shot straight at the keeper. Straight at the keeper, which mm-hmm. from our view, 
looked like he should have buried it. And once again, when you watch it on TV, it was a one-on-one. You know, we, we need to be finishing these. So was that pretty much the end of our chances? Because we created virtually nothing. No, there was nothing else in the second there half. There was nothing else, and it was a it, like neither team played well in the first half. Let's be honest. But then it all came to a head when uh, me and you have very different opinions on this, Prof. I don't think it was a red. I think that the airtime that Ryan Brennan got added to the weight that it was a red card, but it wasn't. I don't think it was a red. I think there was no stud yeah. shown. It was a one-footed tackle. And fair enough, I mean, it, there was no malice in it. I don't think there was any malice in it. And because, like I said, he got good airtime, he was he was up there with fucking Michael Jordan. It, it looked it, worse than it was. The leap was theatrical. And as we know, the, the past bench getting involved. Killian Brennan, I blame him. His big mutant head... Rearing in. Did and you watch him? Did you watch him in slow mo, as the tackle comes in, and you just, I just you just watch Killian Brennan, and his Brennan face just contorts. Yeah, his his horrible, chewed toffee and the hands forehead. Ugh, it's hideous. The hands going up waving the imaginary red. Yeah, of course, oh, of course, his classy guy, classy yeah. guy. But yeah, scoreless. But what was the story with the? I, I I've heard like three different explanations because the ref had the yellow in his hand initially. And then it became a red. Yeah, here's how it went down. Here's what happened. If you watch it closely, he is going to dish out a yellow because that's what he thinks it is. And he goes and speaks to his linesman and the linesman says it's a red. For the official, the TV said, or the I, I think Republic. the linesman spoke to him and said, if the, if, mm. if we're going to obey what Conan Bourne said on Greatest League in the World, and Con said, um, he spoke to his lino and the lino said red. So he was thinking, okay, I think it's a yellow. I think it's a red. Went to the fourth official. Ben Connolly said it was red, so two to one. He took their recommendation and sent off Joey O'Brien. So the yellow behind was his decision. So he put that away after he was pretty much outvoted by his fourth official and his lino, and they said it was red. I don't think it was red. I really don't. It was a, it was a tackle right in the mid, fair enough middle of the pitch, but it wasn't a red. I'm not like a hundred percent convinced it's a red. Just I do. I think having looked at it now, I think it was because like this is like on the halfway line, and how far away is Joey from the ball? And he just gets the idea in his hand that he's going to lunge for this. Yeah. like His mind was made up. What wasn't was it? he actually thinking yeah, going for that ball? His mind was made up in the middle of the park, right in front of the bench. You'd swear that? it was like a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. This was in the halfway line. Bit and he's like, I have to win this True, ball. True, yeah, a little bit pointless. It was reckless. It was reckless. Really yeah, reckless. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But what I will say is that I'm, I'm, I'm fed up of, of all this. I really am fed up watching us get red cards at these, at like, first half red cards individual mistakes like how longer can this go on we're cursed this is the individual mistakes and the indiscipline is ruining this season this is before we even talk about the comical first goal this is before yeah exactly we haven't even got to that yet so this is two instances of what I had prayed that we wouldn't have a repeat of before the game and they happened in the game one of each indiscipline and absolute bollocks horrible defending it's just not. I, I'm I'm so frustrated at this stage. I really am. It's so hard well, to keep watching this week in week out. How do you think we're doing up to the sending off? I thought our general play wasn't bad. It was decent. I mean, no team was on top. Pat Buckley yeah. said they were on top. They weren't. It was there for the taking. One goal would have won that game if it had been eleven on eleven. And Bork is the type of guy that win you that win you that game with with a bit of magic, you know. So actually, actually Bucko said it was kind of even until then. Uh, soccer Republic pundits reckon we were well on top I wouldn't I wouldn't say I well wouldn't, on top I wouldn't go with that now but uh, then came the goal do you know what this goal as as much as I watch it it just never gets any better it, it was slow motion for the best part of it a horrible corner gets whipped in 
and then this this lofty pullback from the back post just bounces and Bork gets a cut in between his feet and it's a Bork going goal I don't know why Toner got credited for the goal it's a Bork going goal oh, yeah it's definitely not a goal 100% because it wasn't going in therefore Bork hit it off his boat legs like it ping ponged off his left and his right leg and then it went in so I it's watched, a Bork going goal and it's just horrible I watched it a few times I still don't know what's going on there seems to be about eight opportunities to clear the ball so much indecision and it just and from we were we couldn't see it really we didn't think it went in but as as we were called uh, stand wankers uh, press wankers uh, what else there's a couple of other obscenities thrown our way that ball should have been booted out just put it in long the ago. simple put it in the Kamak but it, it didn't happen and we went 1-0 down and it was all all downhill from there and, and about- during that we didn't even speak about the, the red card and what happened during it and I mean Killian Brennan once again outdid himself I think I got a nice gauzy in the this flew by my head some some old school drahda phlegm flew by me from Killian Brennan he was spitting at the fans uh, calling us all sorts of names grabbing his crotch doing wanker gestures I mean uh, if if a Ford official had seen this surely he would have had to report it some you know felt I mean? that the match between you and Brennan was more entertaining than the actual game, Ger. I, I lost a rag, I really did. <laughs> I can't stand this guy. He was seeing properly amused by you going to the left and right of the the pylon. The pylon yeah. Uh, listen, he's um it's the there's words can't really describe the guy, you know, he's just subhuman at this stage. He's just a horrible individual and his track record proves that just the type of actual as as a human being as well. I mean look he's with the everything that goes on, he's just he's just a, a horrible person. Given, given his role in in the red card, given his two stints with us and how we much we dislike him, it must be ill advised to actually come down and warm. He was up at that, that end. Up. He was loving it. No, apparently you have to line. You have to warm up beside the lineup. I read on your that. Side. Yeah, how true that is, we don't know. But, but then he warmed up on the opposite side. In the second half. Well, there you go. I don't know. Listen, it's just the way it is. Like we. We never delve into anyone's personal life or anything like this here, but this, this guy is just next level hatred for him, you know. But um, I think his vice captain is a list of hatred. Yeah, at this stage, be. I think we're going to rename the Killian Brennan list. Just, just, just give him his own it's, list. It's the Louis Kilcoyne is a hatred in association with the Brennans. <laughs> yeah. So we doing it as well, doing it. He want to watch the company he keeps, doesn't he? Yeah, from one bench to another. From one bench to another. Tom was warming up for. Ages That well. was the most intense warm-up I've ever seen. How often have you seen a goalkeeper warm-up? I don't know, maybe... We heard Horgan was a bit crocked as well, didn't we? There was the rumour going around that he'd pull his hamstring. Yeah, Davy Mack went over to him and asked him, is he alright, does he need to come off? But he he, he, a couple of his kicks were sort of scuffed, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, so, I don't know, like I said, Tomer, warm-up of the year there, he was giving it socks. And just on us being a goal down, our stats from about coming from behind are horrendous I think they're horrendous in general Conor Bourne keeps making that point on his podcast about teams coming from behind and it's quite rare so I don't think it was ever going to happen but well, since the start of 2017 when we've fallen behind we've only beaten Galway and got a draw in the dock in the cup semi-final every other time we fell behind we've lost so we definitely got that fighting spirit at the moment. I'm loving these random darts that you're throwing in here, Prof. The new format is going down well. But the second goal came and Finn, w- once again, is the culprit. He did it out on Bray. 
And he was just lackadaisy here. <laughs> it was he, a heavy first touch. And then I mean, you're in your own box. Just get the ball out. And like, we're not, we don't want to be too critical, but you have to call a spade a spade and say it was an amateur mistake. You wouldn't see it in the Leicester Senior League. So it's it's something that we need to improve on. Concentration, maybe a sports psychologist. Is that what needed? I mean, we, our, our mentality seems to be our weak point. There's certainly no lacking in ability. One of the best squads in the whole league. But is it a mental thing? Do we need to get a, some sort of sports psychologist in or... Or maybe engage our players in a game of chess every morning and stimulate their mind that way. I mean, there needs to be something else. It's just not working at the minute. Well, Brandon knows nothing about chess, as you'll hear later yeah, from we, uh, you know, questions right, yeah. from the East End. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, Greg Bolger was interviewed going into the game and he was talking about carrying the same energy from the car performance into this game. That didn't happen. It seems like we're just turning it on and off because we've gotten four bad performances now against the bottom five clubs. One point, whereas we tonked Derry and Cork. Yep. Two decent performances against Dundalk. Why is that happening? But then again, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself when I say this. I said it wasn't a red card for Joey O'Brien. And I'm, I'm giving out that the fact that we're getting reds, you could say it's the ref's fault. But either way, like you said, he he didn't have to make that tackle on the halfway line in front of the dugout, in front of the ref, in front of everybody. And go in that hard, you know. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't think it was red, but either way, a bit of common sense well, could have prevailed there. If you don't think that's a red, that means three of our four red cards this season were unjustified. So is that in ill discipline then? Is it ill discipline that we go like what? the car one was a red? The car one was a red. Um, you could say it's an agenda against Rovers, but listen, we we don't even want to go down that road because it sounds ridiculous. But um, we had some major. We had some some stats here from the from the junkie stats prof. <laughs> Who labelled that junkie stats? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just actually, I didn't. I didn't. The first one, I didn't thoroughly research this, so I'm open to correction. But I believe that we have not saved a penalty since Richard Brush in Sligo in 2013. Wow! I can't think of one since then. There was one shortly before that. Baz against Linfield and Tala. Okay. But, I mean, Craig Hyde never saved one. Kevin Horgan never saved one. Thomas never saved one. Jansen. That was before that, wasn't it? Yeah, he was, he was before. He was before. So, yeah, I think that's it. I think Brush and Sligo was the last one. But uh, other stats, we failed to score in three of our last four games. The other was, of course, Cork 3-0. And if you look at the last 13 games, Berkey is our only midfield, attacking midfield player, whatever you want to call him. To score, and last year we had a lot of players chipping in. We'd we we'd doing mm. a chipping in with goals. We'd Brando chipping mm. in with goals. It's, it's not happening this season. We're not contributing from all over the pitch. So the rest of the goals are strikers Carr. aren't well. The strikers yeah. aren't really con- contributing either. So well, Carr got three in a row, and the two defenders were on the score sheet against Carr. We're a bit of crossroads, aren't we? And the Cork game, by the way, that was Brando's one hundred league appearance. Ah, oh, none. And Luke Burns' next game, whenever it is. That will be his 100th appearance in all competitions for Roberts. Yeah, good stuff. Pats and Ferris have been strong at home. Only one defeat since July. Yeah, so it is a bit of a fortress for us anyway. No matter yeah. no matter what time of the year we go there, it's always a fortress. We've still only won once in the league out there since 2011. Shazzy's winner. Yeah, 2016. 2016. And um, some major unprofessional on behalf of the Pats volunteers... I believe anyway, and their program article. It was uh, it was just it was just digs at Rovers, wasn't it? 
Well, yeah, they were going on about how we'd only won two league titles since 1993-94. But if you play that game, they've won one title since 1999. So. And they didn't train on the Sparwell Car Park for most yeah. of those years. So True. I just find it very unprofessional as, as regards to an official match day programme to, to write something like exactly, that. Exactly, because yeah. it's not like you're... Error of Jason Maloney piece in the program. It's not a fanzine article. This was like a preview of our team, the opponent. So, yeah. if that was our program, I would be really embarrassed if that was published. Yeah, hundred percent agree with you. And the fact that their editor said, "Yeah, let's go with that," kind of says it all. As as Barney said, it looked like a drunken midnight Facebook rant. It did, yeah, it really did. All eyes on Sean O'Connor now. All eyes. See what he does for the May twenty second program. Okay, against Shani Pat. OC, yeah. Knocked him out of the park, Shani. Balls in your court, you know, Like yeah. he's probably going to do is a completely normal piece. Which, which is what, what it should be, really. Because from my experiences with Sean, he doesn't appear to be 14 years old. <laughs> Going through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, other results now. On the Friday, we had Bray beating Dirty 2-1 in... Carlisle grounds with Ronan Coughlin continuing his good form scoring two goals the second goal was particular, particularly sweet took a lovely touch and buried it uh, Pats of course beat us 2-0 Waterford 2-1 um, against Dundalk in the RSC and then on the Saturday we had Cork coming from behind beating Limerick 2-1 and then we had Sligo losing 2-0 at home I think that's their sixth home defeat they are in mm. trouble big time that is a really really bad run for them and we're, Six defeats at home. We're playing them after Waterford. Playing them after yeah. Waterford. So the balls beat them 2-0. I can add he got his first league goals for Waterford in the, the dock win. Yeah. And he's making his first appearance in Tata in 10 months ten on months. Friday. 10 months since he got that top corner screamer against Rovers. Mm -hmm. In the 2-1 win. And uh, Stephen O'Donnell broke his leg. The game. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a tackle. Uh, do you know what? Actually, it wasn't quite a tackle. I take that back. It was... It was more of a coming together. It was, no, it was it pretty was, innocuous. Yeah, it was unlucky. It really was unlucky. So, um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. There wasn't any malice in it or anything like that. So, and then we had uh, Alan, Ronnie, Drew, Carly smoking forty a day on Soccer Republic. <laughs> Sound like a six-year-old chain smoker. <laughs> yeah, his voice was was gone, wasn't it? And uh, Cretaro again on Soccer Republic. Raphael, the Tubber Curry tornado. See his dive. Oh, it was comical. It was really bad. It was like no contact. It, right in front of the ref. Oh, comical yeah, it, stuff. It's generally one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, it was really, really poor. He's getting on now. He must be 34, 35, mid 30s. He's 36. Yeah, he's tipping yeah. on now. I think him and Adam Bennett are the two oldest outfield players in the league. Yeah, and the, it has to be McCahey in the fourth division, doesn't it? I think he's 40 now. And uh, Paul Corey. In his RTE column, believes that Graham Bork deserves an Ireland call-up. And he also mentioned in the article that he signed a new three-year contract at the end of last season, which is something that is news to me. I certainly didn't know that. Did you? Well, no, but that's kind of what we've been doing, isn't it? We've been, make, we've been um, signing pairs up, you know, kind of quietly. And not announced. It's not been either. put out to the papers. Definitely happy with that. Yeah, but Berkey, the inner city street baller. Inner city street baller. Scarce in the Ireland squad these days, but where's all gone? Yeah, it is, it certainly is. And it's um it's something that I'm trying to instill in my son and I get trying to just I give him a ball and just say, Get out, get out and play and be on the streets, on the grass or whatever, just get out there and play and it is because it's you can see that the 
his, his, he is improving, you know, because he's out there every day after he does his homework or whatever, and it's something that needs to be brought back big time, you know, bring back the street games. Like like we said with our with our football loves us campaign, so um, we'll move on to the draw for the Lenser Senior Cup quarter final was made, Prof. So the big one. The big one. The only cup trophy we can realistically win this season. Come on, who do we get? Am I wrong with that? Uh, no comment. <laughs> uh, who do we get? Come on. Call out the draw. Near a home to either Dundalk or Bowes. Oh! So no day for, for that one yet. We could be home to the Bowes or Dundalk. So uh, I'd like a Bowes game. We'll go for that. Last time we played them in the Leicester Senior Cup, we lost an extra time. Is that right? Or we won an extra time? Sean Dixon scored. We won that one on penalties. Won that on penalties, yeah. I remember, I think, who, who got the other? can't remember who the, got the We ball lost for. the year before that, out there, in extra time. Yeah. And uh, so we'll be, that'll be, we'll be the home game. So, Dundalk or Bowes, no date for that yet. So, we're going to talk about the Irish Amputee League. And that continues this Saturday. The third round of games, Rovers play Cork and Bowes starting at 2.45. And games are played at Ballymun United. So, we've an interview now with the gaffer. And the captain of the team, Stuart McSweeney and Kevin O'Rourke. Come here with Stuart McSweeney and Kevin O'Rourke, the coach and captain of the Shamrock Rovers amputee team. And Stuart, talk about the launch of the Irish Amputee League and how Rovers decided to enter a team. Yeah, the launch, I guess it's going back a couple of months ago. Um, the Irish Amputee Football Association approached Shamrock Rovers with the backing of the FEI to see would they be interested in launching a team. When they approached the board of Shamrock Rovers, um, Jonathan Roach approached me as chairman and said that if we were to do this, he wanted to do it right. He wanted it to be from someone within the club. I sat and met with Christy McElliott from the Irish Football um, Association to Amputee Football and it was a no-brainer as soon as I met with him. It was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, It wasn't just about Shamrock Rovers, it was about amputee football in Ireland. Um, I quickly discovered that we have a international side and it was about helping the international side as much as bringing the players in and, and helping them for Shamrock Rovers. And uh, Kevin, you captained UL Sport in the English Amputee League where you did really well. But obviously it's a commitment for, for players to travel to England. So having the opportunity now to play in our own league, that's huge strides, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I've been playing the, six, the sport six years now and this is the first opportunity that I've got to play amputee football week in, week out. Um, we we did, we played over in England for a while, but you know that was a, a huge commitment and it wasn't really sustainable. So to have, have a league here and to have the support of, of the clubs, um, it's, it's brilliant for us. Uh, Stuart, you've played two rounds of leagues so far. They were held at Rosedown in Cork. So what's next on the schedule? So next on the schedule, we have the short trip coming, not this weekend, but the following weekend, we make the short trip over to Bohemians, um, where we'll play both Bohemians and Cork, and um, hopefully we can pick up our first win. To be fair to the guys, um, we've been really good, we've been really competitive, the football we've played has been really, really good. We gave a great account of ourselves at the the opening weekend. We had a couple of injuries when we went to Cork, and and a couple of the new players got a a good run out, which was great for them to to get more game time. And yeah, hopefully we can build on, on what we did down in Cork. Um, I thought we were excellent in both games and I'm very much looking forward to Saturday week. How do you feel the season's going so far? We've had a tough start, um, but we're, we're working really hard and I think, you know, 
we have a good chance to, to turn it around in, in two weeks time um, we've played some good football it's just the case maybe we haven't got the breaks in the game so um, looking to build on it anyway going forward and looking at the Rora squad you're still getting to know each other but what are the expectations do? Um, I think it, we're gelling um, and definitely we we have to be looking at, at challenging for this league um, you know the other two sides are, are very strong but I feel if if we get get things right, we can we can really make strides in this league as well. You're also an Ireland international. You've got 36 appearances. You played the World Cup in Mexico in 2014. Last year's European Championships in Turkey. So what were those experiences like? It's incredible. It's it's great to be able to to represent your country um, and play across Europe and even as far as Mexico. Um, Unbelievable experiences and 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 things I I would never have got to do if um, I wasn't an amputee and 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 didn't find amputee football. So yeah, it's been it's been pretty good so far. Uh, three of our players have been selected for the Ireland team to face England and Poland. Uh, there's Kevin here, Chris McGelly, and most notably Stuart Mc, uh, McAvoy because he only took up the sport. Yes, so Stuart has only taken it up. He signed for Shamrock Rovers and he only played his first competitive game about two months ago. Um, he's really worked hard. Stuart, to be fair to Stuart, he takes care of himself off the pitch. He does some home training as well. He has a Mr. Training session week in, week out. He trains. It's important. I've spoke with Stuart since he's been selected. It's important he goes and gives a good account of himself, which I've no doubt he will, and he goes and enjoys the occasion. But it is a fantastic achievement. It's a fantastic achievement um, for any player at any level to represent our country, be it schoolboy, be it the national women's team, the national men team, be it the, the amputee international team. And, you know, it's, it's a real proud moment for him. Stuart himself, um, he's really proud. He's really looking forward to this weekend. He's been speaking to me during the week. And I'm, I'm really hopeful for the international team that the benefits of the league, the benefits of... The guys, not only at Shamrock Rovers, but at Cork and at Bohemians, of training week in, week out. Anyone listening to this, I suppose, who is like considering trying to join the team, it just shows the possibilities. Absolutely, it does. So we have three new players. There's Stuart uh, McAvoy, there is Sean Forlong, and there is Stephen, um, who's come in as well. Um, all three lads are doing really well. And Sean and, and Stephen, they've looked at Stuart as as the example and went if he can do it I can do it um, and it is important to note that it has come with hard work so Stuart hasn't just come up and, and, and suddenly got into the amputee team at international level it's come from real hard work he's trained every single week he takes care of himself he's very professional in his approach and it just shows that yes if you qualify for amputee inter, uh, football that you can make it at international level and as I said there's no better feeling than representing your country at any level uh, every player in the squad will have their own story to tell about how they lost their legs so could you give us some background on yourself your love of football and how you got involved in the sport uh, well I uh, I was born with a, a growth defect um, and I had my leg uh, amputated when I was 18 months old um, to be honest I never knew any difference so it, it didn't have a major impact um, on me personally um, I, I did play sport uh, in school, I played basketball and I played uh, Gaelic football for for the local team, um, but was never able to, you know, play at at a, at a very high level. 
So I found Amputee Football. Um, I just happened to be in uh, IDS in Kappa getting a, a fitting for a new leg and the poster was up there. So I had a look. I got in touch with Christy the next day and I was at a training session that weekend and immediately I was hooked. Um, a couple of couple of weeks later, I think I went to Poland with the squad, and you know haven't looked back since really. Uh, you're a midfield player, but uh, you've been on to play up front too. Uh, how did you get the nickname the Kinnegad Klinsman? And have you ever celebrated a goal like Klinsman? No, I haven't. Uh, one of the lads just gave, gave me that. I think he was do, we were doing uh, profiles ahead of the World Cup. Um, yeah, I've, I've played in a couple of different positions and I'll possibly play in a different position now at the weekend, but I'm just happy to be out there. I, I give my all no matter what position I'm playing and I'm happy to do whatever job the, the manager asked me to do. And now, serious for, for those who don't know, talk a little bit about the rules. It's a seven-a-side game with a narrower pitch and 25 minutes a half, I believe. Yeah, so at international level, it's a seven-a-side game. It's 25 minutes a half. But I have to say, for anyone from the outside, they might think it's a, it's a different game. Um, I myself, when I was asked to get involved at this level, I thought I'd have to do research. But that's from the outside looking in. But it's very much the same as, as football at any level. So it's as a competitive. It will have its tackles, its knocks, its injuries. Um, we've had in the league... We've had some yellow cards, red cards. Unfortunately, we don't like to see that, but that's how competitive these guys are. And literally, it's just the ball goes in, and these guys want to win at all costs. They absolutely play. Um, as I said, it, it's 25 minutes. What I will say is, for anybody, um, it's an unbelievable skill to be able to play amputee football. What I've learned from the guys since since I've come in and started coaching them, they have some of the best passing ranges that I've seen um, with the outside of the foot. I've never seen um, players like it that can pass with the outside and the inside. But there only last week, I tried it out myself. So in training, I um, got a set of crutches and I, and I played a game. And if I'm being honest, the lads didn't notice at the time, I very quickly wanted to give up because it is really, really hard work. You have to work on those crutches when you're playing the game. But that just made me respect the guys so much more because these do this for a solid hour when they play matches they go for 25 minutes a half and it's a credit to them that they can do that um, and as I said ultimately it's the exact same as football ball goes in and they want to win at all costs very technical um, and a very good game to be involved in and I'm delighted to be involved I imagine the way you have to swing on the crutch uh, upper body strength is important it is and core strength too um but it's it's just you just you just have to work on you have to adapt to using the crutches um, and it's it's part of the game you know. Are people watching the game for the first time always surprised by the skill and display as Stuart mentioned and the speed in which it's played? I think what a lot of people say when they first watch it is you know they after a couple of minutes they they don't rec- or they don't notice the crutch- crutches anymore. Um, as Stuart said, it's it's a game of football at the end of the day and there's a ball and. You've got lads trying to score goals. You know, it's it's as simple as that, and um, it's a high tempo game. It's very skillful. It's very quick and and very physical. And you know, you very very quickly forget about the crutches. Uh, the team trains at Rollstone every week in the evenings. The lads were introduced to the Robbers fans in Tala at halftime of the Derry game back in March. How supportive have the club been? The club have been excellent um, from day one, from the set-up, um, right from the chairman, Jonathan Roach, the whole board, um, the media launch that we've done, promoting the game. The club have really been excellent. 
Damien Duff himself as an ambassador for the game. He's been really supportive. He he will ask on a regular basis how are the guys getting on. We're given the training venue for a full hour and a, a half um, just to work on our own, which is absolutely brilliant. I will say uh, a massive thank you to the fans because the night the guys came down for the Derry game and got introduced to them, the fans were absolutely brilliant with the team. But it's worked both ways. So to be credit to the lads, they have respected what the vision of Shamrock Rovers is, how professional Shamrock Rovers is at every level. We explained that to the lads and the lads have been as professional back in their, their approach to it. So it's been a two-way process, but it's been really, really good. And I have to say, the day we played up here um, in Roadstone on the opening league game, when we scored that goal against Cork City, um, it was kind of like Talat, the, the fans that were here, they went crazy, they supported it, and, and it was just a brilliant feeling. So fair play to everybody in the club and to those who can come along on, on the days and support us on the days. That's really, really important. You're one of the longest-serving academy coaches within the club, so tell us about when you first came to Rovers and the different roles you've had since. Yeah, so when I first came to Shamrock Rovers, God, it's it's going back a number of years now. Um, but when I first came to Shamrock Rovers, it was a very different club to what it is now. So we have the academy base at here at Roadstone, which is absolutely brilliant. We have our full-size Astro. We've our two grass pitches coming online, our dressing rooms, our showers, everything. I first started when I first started. Um, we were down in the Dora. I first started as a coach just for one single team. Um, I was doing my UEFA B at the time, um, so I asked the club, could I get involved? I was a small-sided game team at the time. Could I get involved with an 11-a-side team? Um, that quickly grew to going on to do my UEFA A. I was very fortunate and some really, really good people around me in terms of Shane Robinson, Stephen Bradley, who is now our first-team coach, uh, Aidan Price in particular. They were instrumental in bringing me into the League of Ireland set-up at under-17s, um, which was a great experience coaching them, um, and we had great success in the inaugural year of the, the FAI under 17 league I then moved on to a youth development coach for the small side of the game from 8 to 12 years of, of age um, I'm now doing the um, amputee football team I'm concentrating on that primarily as, as full time but I've been asked to go back into the academy so I'm not your typical coach that you'll see just at one team I do like to know everybody in the club and I'd like to think everybody knows me so I class myself now as a youth development coach for Shamrock Rovers, but you'll see me on match nights doing the halftime game, which is community work. You'll see me on a Wednesday night with the, the amputee team working away with them. I'll be up in and around 17s, 19s, first team, and on a Sunday morning with the academy with kids as young as, as four to, to eight years of age, because it's very important we build a pathway of football at every level here at Shamrock Rovers. And what's your like as a gaffer? Sure, it's been great, yeah, since we've come in. Um, really welcomed us into the club um, the sessions have been have been really good have been intense um, and keeps us on our toes you know so that was the lads and uh, the game is coming up on Saturday at 2.45 at Ballymun United's ground for the next amputee league game so this weekend Stuart was speaking a week ago when he said next weekend so yes I'm just looking at the rules here and they were printed in the hoop scene earlier in the season so it's quite interesting they have a couple of timeouts as well you can only have one arm if you're in goal or one hmm. or one leg if you're outfield so you're only allowed to use your quote unquote strong arm yeah if you're a uh, goalkeeper no blocking with the crutches so it's interesting stuff 
And we'll move on to our Roadstone project. With the under-19s beat Bray 5-0 at Kilterna with a hat-trick from young Dino Williams and a brace from Dean Dillon. So next up for them is Limerick. Brandon Cavanagh on fire, apparently. Brando Cavanagh running the show, yeah. And then we the under-17s had a good 3-1 win in Galway. And that's six wins from six with some fine football in some difficult, windy conditions down in Galway. Excellent start to the season for the lads. I know what you're thinking. Did Daniela Bogdanov score? Well... Does a bear shit in the woods? Does a bear shit in the woods? And I don't think you knew what I was thinking because I was wondering what were the pints like in Galway? <laughs> Does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> yeah, it was a James Clark penalty, Bogdanov and Keen Kelly with the goals. Have to get an eye on this Bogdanov guy and see what he's like. Um, Shivan Rovers showed great hospitality to the young hoops in their impressive facility at Newbridge in Galway. And the 15s were over in Covum, Chelsea's training ground, and they came from two goals down to beat the hosts 3-2. So Duffer's charges be a probably very strong Chelsea team. So um, that's that's really impressive. And we had Conan Noonan, Sinclair Armstrong and Rolando Banya as the goal scorers. And they played in Mayo League this Sunday, 3pm at the Roadstone. And you know what for? Pints! Right, so we have up next for the 19s. It's 2 o'clock kickoff in Tallet versus Limerick and then straight down to the Roadstone for the 17s game at 4 against Kerry. And that's, uh, uh, like I said, Roadstone for some lovely, lovely pints. And we will move on to what else we got, Prof? Yeah, so congratulations to the DDSL team that beat Derby County in the Sligo Super Cup at the weekend with four overs players. We had Ben, Nadge, Ryan and John. They were all involved, so congrats to the young lads. And so far, Ireland have lost uh, 2-0 to Belgium and beaten Denmark 1-0 in the under 17s European Championships. Our goalkeeper, Keane Clark, never played out and he'd been ruled out of the tournament through injury and there was a great photo of the players celebrating. Yeah, that was a nice touch. With him because yeah. of his injury, so... Um, Speedy recovery to young Keane. So they're playing Jimmy Corker and the Cherry Archer keeper in goal in his place. If you look through the squad, there's only one player in the entire 17 squad born outside of Ireland. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it's progress, isn't it? And with that in mind, did you see Brian Kerr's article? I did, and uh, I, I, I was flabbergasted to say the least. It's quite prehistoric, and the, the thinking behind it is um, it seems to be see, steeped in in a one-sided opinion because mm. he has obviously been involved with the DDSL clubs and he seems to think that they're doing a fantastic job but for football to progress in Ireland at every level this needs to be the way forward and have an elite league maybe not so much the tour deans, but this is the way forward it's the way it should be and if, if you're going to talk about um, like these DDSL clubs these DDSL clubs their nose is out of joint because the likes of Rovers and, and, and Bowles and these teams are, are plucking their players the best players well DDSL clubs have done that for years look at Belva look at Joey's look at the Archer these players have constantly cherry picked from all the smaller DDSL clubs and sold and farmed these kids out to English clubs for money it's simple that's what they've done for years and now they're frustrated with this process because they are the victims now it's mm. just the way it is so in my opinion it's not valid this this argument isn't valid at all and I think Brian Kerr really sh- sh- should have read that twice before he, he brought it out and I, I personally think there was a ghostwriter involved there as well I don't think he he wrote that himself no no offence to the guy I just don't think he wrote that I'm surprised that like a staunch League of Ireland man would be so dismissive of that route as a way to go over the future 
Well, he sees it as a direct carbon copy of the English way of producing players, which it's not really. It's just about getting your house in order as regards to the League of Ireland clubs. It's the way it should be. Everybody should have a decent setup at youth level. But for him to go and rubbish it like that, it's it's not doing anyone any favours. And in mm. fairness, I mean... If he's sceptical about an under-13s National League, I understand that, because maybe Rovers are probably one of the few clubs equipped to actually enter a 13s team. There might be many, because I, yeah. I know Pats are very poor at that level. Uh, Schoolboy all the way up. They don't. I don't think Pats have an academy or 8s, 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, all the way up. I don't think they do. I think they have 17s and 19s, and that's it. But I maybe I'm open to correction to that, but for years, Pats were horrendous at Schoolboy level, and they, they really were, so... But as we move on from that, and um, I think we're going to have to talk about starting 11s and predictions. Right, Prof, do you want to go first, or will I? Well, last week we couldn't change a winning team. No. And this week, virtually anyone could be dropped. I know. So I'm going to go with... It's a tough one. I, I think I think we, we play well on that big pitch with the three... 5-2 system if that's what you want to call it so I'll go with Horgan and goal I'll go with Grace Pico and oh God who's going to be the third centre half I think we're struggling here well it's just Ali isn't it well, I think so that? yeah I think Ali will have to go in there Ali will have to slot in that centre half there with the lads and I'll have Cavo on the left with Boyle on the right Um, I'm going to drop her on the fin I'm going to put Davy Mack and the two Bulgers in and then I'm going to have uh, Danny Carr back from suspension up front with uh, Bork. So Davy Mack and Bulger in the middle of the park with the other Bulger. Left wing back and right wing back Boyle and Kavanagh. Three centre halves, Ali G, Pico Grace and Horgan and Goal with Shawzi. Oh no, with Carr up front and Bork in the hole. So I think I'm, I'm dropping around and Finn. Um, just because I don't think he's been good enough lately. Well, to be fair, he was good against Cork. Yeah, I, I think so. But I mean, I, I think I'd, I'm going to drop him. Well, I've only one chance to you, so I'm dropping Greg Bulger. Dropping Greg. For Davy Mack. Davy Mack. Is this like the sixth week in a row now I've put Davy Mack in for the team and he's not played? So. I think so, yeah. Fighting the losing cause at this stage, am I? Prediction? Ooh, um, I might have to be realistic. Um, it's a tough one these coming out the back of a great win against Dundalk they're they've, flying they've yeah. got Abara and Eri back they've, they've got beat, Akinadi in form they've beaten everyone in the top 5 at home and they when they play away they play 2 up front and they play a man in the hole as well so they're going to come and attack us considering we could be considered vulnerable at the moment mm. I'm going to let you go first I fancy a win actually Ooh. you've changed my opinion We've been going for 1-0 wins and 2-0 wins, haven't we? Do you know, I, I think yeah. we're going to have a humdinger. I'm going to say 4-2 Rovers. 4-2 Go, Rovers. You're going for something a bit mad, eh? Yeah, just mad. Because this fucking season has been mad in general. You don't know what's up next. really don't. Well, i go for a 3-2 then. What odds can we get on a game being abandoned from red cards <laughs> this season? Because that's probably a good bit. Webby is suspended for them. Webby's gone, is he? Yeah. Good old Davy Webb. And um, yeah, so that's our starting 11s and predictions. And we're going to move on to uh, the junior hoops. And like I said, the civil war is over. We're back on good terms. 
and we're going to promote the cause that they want to uh, promote this week and yeah so the junior hoops um they are promoting autism awareness night and uh they are welcoming gravity autism the group as guests so um it should be very interesting and it's a good cause so uh that is what the junior hoops are doing this week and the guard of honor of course if you're in the whatsapp group get your kids names down for the guard of honor if you're interested in that and uh yeah that's it so far for the junior hoops and we had the fun run that was on bank holiday Monday. I didn't get a winner, did you? I didn't see who won it. No, I just saw a pick of, of uh, Aidan Price and some lads. Yeah, so it was a good turnout anyway, and they were all running for fun. Just uh, on the sort of note about Mondays, I noticed something. We've played five midweek games already by the end of April. Right. That's as many as the entire of last season. So, so it's it's already April, yep. and we've had as many had midweek ma- games this season so far that we had the whole of last season. As many Monday and Tuesday last season. We had three Mondays and two Tuesdays last season. No, I'm not a fan of them, especially Monday away in Cork on a Monday. Like it's crazy. It just doesn't make sense. They need to travel up here. And I mean, it's like like someone said before. Have some sort of sense and maybe make the derbies on a midweek, and that might increase attendances you know it, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense having Cork away on a Monday we've a little break now for a while there's just a uh, there's just a Pats game at home on a Tuesday this month and that's it for May and June yeah I'm glad to see the back of the midweek games and uh, congrats to Bluebell on winning the Leinster Senior League they n- nailed it down they won 3-0 away to Port Marnock and that secured the win because Crumlin needed to win pretty much every game I think they had four games remaining they had to win every game left and score I think four goals in every game they needed a big swing of goals needed to win every game they drew nil all at home to Malahide if I'm correct I think it was or Newbridge I think so so that was the end of that so congratulations to Andy Noonan and the boys uh Bluebell Clubhouse was on Wales the other night. Place was rocking after the champions were crowned. So congrats to the boys. And of course the Intermediate Cup final is on Saturday at 5pm the Aviva Stadium, Fairhouse Clover and Ed Sol's Chargers are going to play Manute Town. So get your tickets and head on down to that. It'll be a great game. And hopefully the boys bring home the silverware and there'll be plenty of pints in the speaker afterwards. So um yeah, that's it. Looking forward to that. Fairhouse Clover. Wearing the hoops of white and green. So get down and support them. Plenty of rovers, lads, going down. And the 1899 bar, of course, the guest. We actually have a guest. It's been a while, Prof. Who was our last guest? I can't remember. It was the end of last season, was it? Possibly the Bournes. No, maybe someone else. But either way, it's been a while since we had a guest. And we have Paul Jammond, who joined the rovers. Joined rovers when he was 10, didn't he? Yeah, and then he talked about his very last goal for Rovers, which was the winner versus Bowes and Jason Bourne's penalty that went into orb. Still in space. Still in space, hurtling around there. Uh, playing against Real Madrid and lots more, so he's due in at seven fifteen. So make sure you pack the bar and listen to Podge, and we might be able to get him to sign a contract while we're there. We can twist his arm, and of course our household chef will have some honey roasted bacon rolls. That sounds delish, prof. We might have to indulge and get your uh, your critique. You're gonna have to have. We're gonna have um, dining with Prof each week now. He's gonna critique the food that's on. So Ray is is a uh, is gonna be getting his performance analy- analyzed and all of the hot food all around the country. So you can look out for that. 
Apparently, John Cody is already ranking the curry chips around the League of Ireland. Oh, yeah. So, he's got a similar plan to me to rank the burgers. Yeah. So, we're definitely going to go ahead with that. So, it's it's a dining with prof. And so, the bar is the same story as usual. You know, we've got your chicken curry, honey bacon roll. We've got uh, the usual three bottles for a tenner, your pints of Guinness, your IPA from the Priory. So, as usual, it's going to be a great night in the 1899 and I look forward to it. So if uh, you can't make Podge in the 1899, you can always listen back to our interview with him. He, uh, you can search hashtag TFTES42 in Twitter and it was the March 1st episode. It was a comprehensive mm-hmm. interview with the prof there and he spoke at length about some really interesting topics. So definitely check out Podge and uh, once a hoop, always a hoop I reckon. Yeah, so listen to that or see him in the 1899 bar. Listen to his dulcet Carlo tones. Dulcet Carlo tones. And uh, well done to another ex-hoop, Noel Hunt, as Wigan were promoted from League One as champions. So Cookie's boys are on the way up again. He's a, he's due a, a really top job soon, I have to say. Yeah, should he knock City out of the cup? Yeah, all? he's definitely due a top job soon. Championship, upper level championship, you know. And uh, our condolences out to uh, Buzz's, Buzz O'Neill's father who passed away, sadly passed away, Larry O'Neill. And uh, Tales from the East End and... Every hoop out there passes on their condolences to Buzz and his family. So we're going to end our show with another quiz game and it's Tomer versus Brando. Reunite on the podcast for the first time since our famous Tomer and Brando do Europe segment with some fantastic pronunciation. Yeah, who we get to do our European importance this year? I think it may be Danny Carr. Danny Carr could be a bit of crack, yeah. yeah. Bit of continental flair maybe. Who else could we get in? Maybe uh, maybe the goalkeeping coach Jose. I was playing solo Rose on this time and uh Tomer came out to me. Do you know what the first thing he said was? What? Hey, did you cycle the dairy? Did not. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, that's Gary that supposedly cycled the dairy, um, Tomer. And what did he say? <laughs> you should have said, Yeah, Gary's he's still on his way back. Yeah. Oh man, I was, I was like, wondering how many people. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, the guys were talking about it." Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to uh, invigorate the troops, you know. And yeah, um, yeah so uh, it's a quiz game, World Cup. So it's getting, it's getting tense, and uh, it's Tomer versus Brando. Okay, so we're here with questions from the East End: Tomer Shinchinski and Brando Mele, head to head in the first round. So we're going to start with Tomer. First question: Name the Dutchman. In charge of Maccabi Tel Aviv. Jordan Cruyff. That's right, point for you. You didn't even start the 15 seconds. <laughs> didn't give you a chance to start. <laughs> right. Brando. Rama's nickname, Jalarossi, uh-huh. translates to what in English? No idea. No? No idea. It's uh, the yellow and reds. Oh. No, never got it. Tomer, name the new Canadian goalkeeper. At St. Pat's. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, oh, man. He played for Edmonton. I know that. Fargo. Tyler Fargo. Is it Tyler Fargo? Mm, close. Uh, One second. No. Sure. Fargo. Right. Tyson Fargo. Ty- Tyson Fargo. Yeah. Uh, right. Not close enough. Brando, name the last Rovers player to score a goal at Richmond Park. Gary Shaw? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I that's, that's what I would have said. I, I don't. 
I don't know, but I would have said that. I don't know, me and him scored the same day. Last time we fucked Tom. Holy shit. Tomer, what team did Rovers beat in the Lancer Senior Cup this season? <laughs> Random knows it, but. I, I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's a right. No. Get a point. Does it begin with an H? No. <laughs> it's uh, St. Moctis. <laughs> How do you know that one? I just know them. Oh, you just know them? He knows Lester Seams. Okay. Uh, Brando. How many years is Arsene Wenger manager of Arsenal? <sighs> <laughs> I don't say this to me, man. Ah. Uh, Twenty? Four seconds. Twenty? Twenty. No. Twenty-two? Twenty-two, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say twenty-two yeah. as well. That's a point for me. I steal it. No, there's no stealing. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, back to Tomer. Colombian goalkeeper Rene Higuita became famous for what spectacular maneuver? Uh, the scorpion. Scorpion. The scorpion. Give us another word. Kick? Yeah. Oh, okay. Scorpion kick. That's right. Well Pardon? Well done. Brando, what was Kevin Keegan's famous quote as Newcastle manager in 1996? See on TV all the time, Kevin Keegan. It's a famous line. No, what, five seconds? Head's gone blank. No, don't know. Don't know. He said, I would love it if we beat them. Tomer, what Central <laughs> American country are making their first ever World Cup appearance. First ever World Cup appearance. Uh, Central American country. Yeah. Uh, Five seconds. No, that's not right. Costa Rica. No, they did last time. No, did Panama. Panama. They're in CONCACAF. Tommy, you're winning 2-1 yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, Brando. Who has the most assists in the English Premier League this season? Oh, shh. This is most assists, assists. Most assists. Who's known as a good assist maker? Ozil. Who's known as a good assist maker? Meza Ozil, no? No. Kevin De Bruyne. Ah, shh. That's uh, Back to Tomer. Which Scandinavian country did Lego come from? I want to say Sweden. Or is it Norway? Or Denmark? It's not Denmark. Five seconds. I will say Denmark. Yep, good guess. It's 3 1 to Tamar. So, Brando, which Italian city is famous for its canals? Oh, man. Come on! You're Italian! <laughs> <laughs> what is canals? Four seconds. Ah, I don't know, man. Venice, I don't know. Yeah, you got to. There is you it? Go. Yeah. One, yeah. Yes, boy. <laughs> that was a complete guess. No joke. Three, two. Uh, That's a good guess. Tom, how many pounds are in a stone? Oh, pounds are in a stone. Yeah. I want to say, is it. Uh, it's either eight. It's four seconds. Twelve. I want to say uh, twelve. 13. 13. No, 14. 14. Yeah. Brando, you like this? In algebra. <laughs> uh -huh. 
if 2x equals 10, then x equals what? Are you kidding me? Nah, you know this, dude. <laughs> nah, what, fourth? Uh, yeah, correct. Do you think a trick question here or what? Dharma was horrified. Like, he I was almost like, didn't know come that. on! You have to give me one of those. Okay, so three all now. Huh? <laughs> Come back. Tomer, name three Irish television stations. RTE1, RTE2, and there's also MTV. <laughs> MTV, no. Five seconds. <laughs> Irish. MTV. But it's on uh, the, like, the cable. Yeah. It has to be an actual Irish broadcast. Come on, man. Actual Irish broadcast. Yeah. Uh, then, I, then I, there's the Gaelic channel, it's Channel finished. 4. I don't know the name of that one. Like, yeah, it was TG4, but your timer on it was first. Okay, I thought it three. meant like just uh, no, like when I'm, when I'm flicking through. Oh. We're still three on. Brando, which chess piece can only move diagonally? Which chess piece? Oh, what's it called? The horse thing. <laughs> Is it? No? I just no, I'm gonna take the Azure, I guess, I think. Yeah, go on. Nah, it's the bishop. The bishop. The bishop. So we have Tomer. Which planet is known as the red planet? Mars. Yep. Okay. Important point for you. Okay now. Brando, no. what is the line of latitude that runs around the center of the world called? Ah uh, man. That's another one easy nah, one! Nah man, I'm not good at all that crap. That seems so easy! <laughs> nah, I don't know. It's uh, the equator. Tommy, you win this, you get it. It's a tricky one though. Spell the word effervescent. What is it? Effervescent. Got ten seconds. Effervescent. E. F. E. R. V. E. S. T. A N T? No, it was E F F. E F F. E R V E S C E N T. Tomer to take, or sorry, Brandon, take it to the playoff. Spelled word Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter? Yeah. Helter. Helter. H E L T O O S. Two seconds. S K E L T E R. No, it was H E L T E R. Oh no, I was an all there. That's mm. cost you. Yeah, four three to Tomer. Yeah, so Tomer's through the next round. Yeah, so that's uh, Tomer taking home the spoils. I love Brando's uh, comments every so often. He's he's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> like he was the same with the pronunciation. I think he got asked to pronounce bench bills or something like that, and he was like, oh. <laughs> so uh, that's Tomer true. So does that mean Tomer versus Borky? No, Tomer versus the winner of Davy Mack Tomer and Greg Bolger. Yeah, I like Brando's guess to the chess question. The horse thing. <laughs> <laughs> the horse thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Ding ding. That's yeah. correct. Can we still call him the part Italian stallion because he doesn't seem to know a single word? I think so. Of the language. Yeah, well, it, it sounds great. So we'll we'll, we'll have to we'll mm. have to keep on going with it. And Tomer knew the. Yardy Cruyff question straight away. Straight off the bat, you knew that. Not one. Johan Cruyff, as the Independent reported at the time, because he's actually dead. Yeah, 
And so well done, Irish of, independent. Yeah, it's his son of Man United fame, Jordi uh, Cruyff. So I think that's it for this week, Prof. So um, big show coming up, Monthly Madness. We have Tony Cousins and Mark Beach Boy Kenny. It's a blockbuster. Up. It's a blockbuster, and we've had the f- questions flying in already, so make sure you get them in. At East Dam Pod, Riley Parsons on Facebook, and uh, do do get them into us because this is going to be a really interesting one. No matter how X rated they are, get them in, we'll read them out, and uh, we're going to have a bit of crack with the lads for our monthly madness session. So that'll be out next week, possibly on the Tuesday. And uh, I look forward to that, Prof. To you. Yeah, Cuzzo and Beach Boy. Cuzzo and Beach Boy. And apparently, uh, Beach Boy is already firing shots and he set up 80% of of Cuzzo's goals. So <laughs> We'll put that to Tony. We'll put that to Tony and see what he says. But listen, that's it for this week. Maybe we'll do a, a competition on how many times Tony says, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, I think so. We, yeah, we'll do a game. We'll take yeah. a shot if you hear it. So all you lads out there <laughs> listening, if you're having a couple of drinks, every time Tony says, you yeah, know, or every time yeah. uh, Mark Kenny mentions he played for Liverpool... <laughs> we'll take a shot so every uh, time you say points that's another one yeah two shots then and every time you come out with a stat so there we go I don't absolutely <laughs> roll off by the end of the podcast <laughs> so that's it for this week and we look forward to seeing you block Amy stand 1899 bar points and bacon honey glaze rolls so uh, see you in Tala see you.